Hey everyone, Becky from The Shift Team here, and we're back with a brand new series to celebrate the symposium launch, a virtual gymnastics educational event hosted by Shift, June 10th to June 12th. This week's mini podcast episode is with one of Shift's symposium's guest speakers, Kale Robinson, former NCAA athlete and now a SEN gymnastics coach. He will be presenting on day two of the symposium, discussing what you need to know about Yuchenkos and Souks. The importance of basics, I think that that's like where an aesthetic is created. And like, that's what made me fall in love with gymnastics is like kind of the artistic component, not necessarily even in like the dance of a floor routine, but just like the art of a perfect handstand and like how beautiful that looks when a body is like perfectly aligned into a shape. And I just like, I find that, those small minute details like fascinating and I find them artistically very <laughs> pleasing. Yeah. So I think that that's one aspect of like why I love basic so much. And then I think too, it's just like knowing how, you know, the more time I spend on perfecting the snap of a back handspring, the less that my kid is going to have to think about a great snap when they're trying a double tuck or a pike full in, or, you know, as, as high of a ceiling as you want to go. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that, the best athletes in the world are just constantly refining their basics and breaking them down that way it just their body is trained for that to be second nature um Mm -hmm. and so um i I tell my kids you know like when you're standing at the vault end of the vault runway for the first time you're doing your chenko full i don't expect that you're going to be thinking about your hurdle and your round off but like when we're doing the hurdle drill and the round off drill i do expect that that way Mm -hmm. It is second nature, and that's just what your body knows how to do when you get put in those situations where you're nervous, you're scared, there's a lot of pressure, etc. Um, yeah. So I just, for the foundation of their gymnastics skyrocketing, but also so that under pressure, um, their norm is just yeah, taking care of. Like, right after season, it's going to be a month of this is your basic list, and it's going to feel monotonous, but we're just going to kind of go through this, um, and we're not going to jump right into new skills. Mm. Um, and I think... I think how I get parents to buy into that, it's, it's, I mean, I'll be honest with you, not every parent does buy into that, you know, I mean, that's the reality of the situation. You know, a lot of parents think that uh, Susie should be doing a full in every day because that's what gets Susie excited, but mm-hmm. they don't necessarily have the foresight to see that, you know, those 500 full ins are going to mean Susie has a stress fracture in two years or three years. And so, Um, I think it's just being honest and blunt with parents about how we run our program and why we run our program. And it's not necessarily that it's like, it's, it's my way or the highway, but I'm not also going to be, be talked into letting an athlete do something that I don't think is safe for them. I guess we as coaches are the gymnastics professionals in that sense. And I, I feel like I owe it to that parent to be honest that Mm. doing a full 500 more times this way is only going to hinder your daughter in the long term Mm -hmm. and that doesn't mean that i don't believe in her and that doesn't mean that i don't think she can do the full or whatever other construct is kind of created in those conversations but it just means that like i want to break it down right now so that i can get to the point i want to get to in five years if that makes sense and it all you know even with pounding chucking skills doing skills there's a time and place for everything but it just has to be smart that's the bottom line absolutely i mean parent communication for me is massive. I, I, I talk about it all the time of 
if I'm going to have success with an athlete, it's definitely, it's a triangle. And, you know, I'm in one corner, the athletes in one corner and their support, whether that be parents or whatever their home situation is, they're in another corner. And it's important that those three points have lines that connect them. Right. And if one of those lines is broken, I feel like, you know, it's just a matter of time before a confrontation or some miscommunication is, is going to happen. So I try to stay on top of that as best as I can. Um, I'm huge, you know, you brought up move ups, I have like a whole like process that we go through for move up skills. And it's very, very communicated to the parents well in advance. And I can't, um, I can't emphasize the importance of that enough. Um, because it also just helps parents understand where their kid is at. Um, so it's like six to eight months before my move up date is typically October 1st, um, around then give or take a week. Um, because we, we, we test pretty much skills to move yep. up. And then I feel like I need that next two, two and a half months to put it into halves and then get the skills ready to put into routines to be ready for January. Mm -hmm. so that's the rationale behind that. So, you know, right at the end of season and around, or, or even a little bit before, once we kind of start working new skills and they can kind of see my brain ticking as to like what I'm pushing them to do next. Yep. Um, I try to go ahead and get out, um, our move up sheets for the next year to the parents, um, which don't change that much. So they probably even have them from the year prior. Yep. Um, but it's very detailed event by event. Like your daughter needs to be doing this on this, um, uh, even to like with two eights in the pit versus one eight in the pit, or like, this is kind of how I see it breaking down. Um, and what, where they need to be by October. Um, and then the, in September we do like a mock testing and the two weeks before that testing, they have to hit all the skills mm -hmm. in certain practices and the coach has to sign off on it. And then that sheet goes home and gets signed off by the parents. So I know they've seen it. And then yeah. we have a testing and then that gets signed off by the parents. And then we do the whole thing again in October. So it's just like to the point where I feel like it's like over communicated, but I never want to be in the position yeah. where. I, I'm told, you know, like, I haven't been told where my daughter's at, because I agree, that's not a good feeling. And parents don't like that. And they shouldn't have to do that. You know, mm -hmm. they're, they're, they're paying a premium price, and they expect a premium product. And I hope to deliver that at all times. And, and every facet of what we do, you know, you got to yeah. be strong to do gymnastics. I mix in a lot of like, kind of your stuff. I've actually gotten a lot of it from Sarah Korngold. She she does a, a lot of your stuff. Oh, nice. Um, and so I, yeah, I'm a visual person. So when I like see it in the gym, I'm like, Oh, I really love that. And I'm going to adopt that. And kind of like I talked about with Nick, I don't, I don't add a ton. Like I'm a master of monotony, if you will. And I like the system I've got. And when I see a weakness, I try to address it. But if things are going well, I try not to change them from a technical aspect. I think a perfect handstand, I think just strength, overall strength, physical abilities, um, is, is huge flexibility. I mean, I just don't think that you can beat flexibility like making sure they're mobile i mean for me it's you know I've, I've worked i've gone into gyms before new gyms where i have kids that are like i do a yurchenko i do a back handspring layout and i do a round off back handspring double pike and a round off back handspring double tuck but if you ask me to do a bridge i can't and i won't I'm like, whoa, that's a huge problem for me like huh? you're going to actively take yourself through the action of a bridge a hundred times a day, but you're telling me you can't like, it hurts too bad to hold it on the floor for 10 seconds. Like we got some, we got some work to do, you know? So for me, just making sure those fundamentals are in place. And, and that doesn't mean like, okay, today I need this girl that hasn't done an actual bridge for a year to just 
get on the floor and do a bridge. That means we're starting with our feet up and we're holding that for five seconds, or we might even not get into the bridge still, but we're gonna address her hip, hip flexibility and her shoulder flexibility so that hopefully she's using those two aspects more than low back bending or what, whatever it is, you know? Yeah. Um, but I think that making sure those things are in a line um, lead to just uh, a more productive and a longer career. Um, and I just, I think you get buy-in. I, I, I just, again, when you, when you focus on those things, I think so many people think like you need to produce like the best ever kid right away and have all these tricks and skills and all that stuff to kind of get parent buy-in or get buy-in from your athletes. But I think you get more buy-in when you don't have a super high injury rate and you are purposely slowing kids down to keep them mm -hmm. safe. Like I, parents resonate with that. You know, I've got a one and a half year old now and I, I maybe didn't get it as much before, but if you come to me and tell me that like he needs to do X, Y, and Z so that he stays safe, I'm going to immediately listen to you, <laughs> you yeah. know? So um, I think that those things are really important. I guess like beyond a handstand, I think one skill that you like need to do perfectly would be like a cartwheel and a mm. round off. Mm. Like, I don't think that you can ever do enough cartwheel and round off drills. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's three events, you know, there's it's <laughs> yeah. humbling is three events. So you can master tumbling basics, then I think you're set at least on three. Yeah, events. I mean, I think tumbling. for me, it's like the constant strive for perfection. I mean, that's like what motivates me. Sure. But I tell my kids all the time, like, if you're perfect all the time, you're never learning. Like you're never, it, you're never, you never have a moment of like, why did that go wrong? I'm mm -hmm. like, so if you're perfect for 10 turns, that's great. But there's going to be turn number 13, where you're not perfect anymore. And you also know how to have, you have to know how to handle that. Yeah. And for me, the knowledge of how to handle that is way more important than the knowledge of how to do it perfectly. Because so many times, like, I'll have a kid get a skill right away. And then I'm like, oh, boy, we're, we're in for a couple months of like, we're going to go down, we're going to lose the skill, we're going to have to go back to all of our drills. And then I think the second time that they learn it and have to work through this process, it'll probably stick and they'll get it. Yeah. But it doesn't usually stick until they get it, like until they go through that dip and have to relearn. And I think that that's huge. Like it's, yeah, it's striving to be perfect, but knowing that you reach perfection by knowing how to handle adversity. Like any skill, they need to know anyways, what the, what the out is, if you will. If I'm missing a Jaeger, I know that I have to land with my arms out and be tight and hit the floor or, or that's another injury in itself teaching a kid to do a giant, I need to teach them first, like, okay, we're going to miss a giant, then we're, this is how you're going to fall. Or, or if it's not missing the giant, then we're just casting up to a handstand and then falling over. That way they know how to fall safely because I think that that's part of the problem if you're approaching fear is not necessarily the skill, but like what happens if the skill goes wrong? How mm -hmm. do I handle that? Yeah, I actually, when you were talking about like the highest level athletes and taking ownership of what they did, I, like the image that popped into my mind was uh, I might – butcher than her the pronunciation of her name but sonny weavers and the dutch girls like mm. literally get off the equipment and they go grab their journal and they're like doing their start values i'm like that is the ultimate ownership like this is what i did this is what it should be and like i don't know i was that kid i was like the kid telling my coach that my start value was wrong and filling out my inquiry sheet for him and signing his name to submit it but like so i just i love that and teaching kids mm. the sport and like that's such a huge part of it. I'm, so yeah, like yeah, full I'm transparency. Winning. I love going to those competitions. I mm -hmm. love getting to do all of that stuff. Yeah. It's super cool for me. But at the end of the day, like I'm in the passenger seat, they're in the driver's seat and this has to be their 
their journey, you know, mm-hmm. and, and going through the work and like, I don't know, when you have a kid just handle any sort of challenge on their own, I think that like seeing those teaching moments is huge. You know, I've, I've even had kids that like, just the feeling you get when you see the growth in them of like, if I have a level five that if she used to fall, she would cry every time that I meet. And then suddenly she's at a place where like, you know what, like I fell and I know what I'm going to do to get back in the gym. And like seeing those little growth moments of like, they're getting it, like their brains are ticking. Like this is going to carry over to more than, than just gymnastics. You know, I, I, I don't know. I just think that what you can learn through sport is incredible. Like, yeah. When you teach a kid to stand up on their own and salute and take pride in their work, like it transfers over into now that kid has, I guess I could use this analogy again, like they have a tool in their toolbox to feel confident that if I study and I go walk into this test where I don't have help anymore, I can do it on my own. I don't need to look around at other people and rely on them for help. I just, yeah, that's, yeah. that would be my life. Younger levels, yeah, like I think flyaways are a big one. I think the first mm-hmm. beat. I think, you know, the first release, I think sometimes those technical skills are very challenging for young athletes to do. So I'd love to maybe just hear your anecdotal advice on what you try to do to help out with that. And then maybe some reasons that you feel like people fall into those ruts of just constantly struggling. Helping a kid work through fear is putting them at a level that's appropriate for where they are physically and mentally, and that they can handle the assignments on a daily basis so that they walk out of the gym every day feeling accomplished with their head held high and like they were able to tackle what you gave them. I think that fear is only perpetuated when you place a kid that you want to be a higher level. But in reality, getting through just the assignment every day is a struggle. And there's anxiety around getting to the event and reading what the assignment is to see how many times they're going to have to face their fear that day. And it, it only gets exacerbated. I think at the end of the day, like it has to come from the kid as much as we as coaches want it and want to push them to do it because we think they can, but it has to come from them. And ultimately, fear is real kids have to have coping mechanisms to deal with fear, but there has to be desire. And if the kid just doesn't have a desire to do the skill, you're really just up against like a hard battle. I still struggle with that. I look at every kid and I try to think of what they could do in 10 years and I can't help myself from like get excited about the potential they have. Right. But that vision that I have, it's still, again, not me and their body doing it for them or me raising their hand or me showing up to practice every day. So it has to be them. I When I was at Airborne, I used to get asked the, this question a lot of like, how do you guys deal with fear? And I'm like, we really just don't have that much fear in our gym. Looking back, I don't think that that was true. But I think that the owner of the gym, her name's Melanie Ruggiero, and just the staff that had been there prior, Justin, Liz, all of those people, I think they handled it in a way that was just keeping kids at levels that they should be so that 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 fear never popped up. That kid is going to stay at level six if they don't have their stuff or if they're mentally not ready to move up to level seven. And through that process, they're either going to still have the fear and this isn't meant for them. Not in again, not in a negative way as a personal thing, like maybe it's gymnastics just isn't for them or they're begging to do it because like they stayed level six and they've done so many more of whatever drill or repetition it is that they're like chomping at the bit to go, you know? And I think that that just provides a, a good culture, a healthy culture, um, a, a friendly culture, but a competitive culture with each other and the kids and them all egging each other on to do stuff. And I just, I, I just can't express enough, like the importance of keeping kids where they're at like making sure they're in the right place physically and mentally, because if they can, if they can accomplish the assignment that you give them, 
on a daily basis, like they will slowly over time make progress. Yep. Yeah, you can't you can't forget basics. Like if you don't have basics, that kid, if you if you as a coach and a program are ignoring basics, your kid you have to understand that like your kids have every reason, right, rational being for having fear. Like yeah. you you if you ignore basics, if you don't make them do the i'm just trying to like if i have a kid that chucks their head back on a layout and you do not drill it enough and fix the problem and you allow them to move on to a half or a full before they fix the head position hmm. you are creating the fear period because you you know what it's going to turn into a head whipping on a layout is going to turn into a half that lands on their face and then a full that lands on their back because it's flipping way too much, you know? So again, you can't get too excited about what that kid could do and push them to do it too soon because that is when fear is really created. So that's my, yeah. I am very and I think that is the coach's responsibility. That has nothing to do with the kid. I, you took the words out of my mouth. I'm so happy you said that. We should put that on a t-shirt or a billboard or somewhere and just make sure everyone sees it because if you skip if you skip physical preparation, they're not strong enough, they're not flexible enough, and you don't drill basics, you're setting someone up for disaster. You really are. Yep. Hopefully you enjoyed this mini podcast episode. Don't forget, early bird tickets are now available till April, so you need to act fast if you want to save $50 to $100 on tickets. Tickets and full information can be found online at www.shiftmovementscience.com forward slash 2022 Shift Symposium. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to that episode. I hope that you really enjoyed it and got a lot of value out of it. I just wanna let you know before we sign off here that a couple things we'd love for you to do. So one is please just make sure that you rate and review the podcast on iTunes or Spotify or Stitcher, wherever you're listening, because that really does help the episode grow quite a bit. And then second, if you really enjoyed this episode, we would love if you left us a review as well and told us what you liked about it. You know, what information was useful, what things were not useful, would you like to know more about, what guests you wanna have on in the future. And then also as you kind of go about your day, if you found something really useful, just toss it up on social media. We love to hear from people on Instagram or Twitter or, you know, all the different websites that they're using for social media. Facebook is great too. But yeah, let us know what you like, because honestly, the podcast comes from people who just tell us what they're finding useful. And that's how we create the next set of content. So yeah, tag us in the podcast or tag us online, whatever you're doing it and uh, let us know what you think. Thanks.